got to have people that are more secure in their faith, more aware of their spiritual surroundings and destination, have an air of not confidence, but faith. Let me repeat that. Not an air of confidence, but of faith. See, confidence can be in something. Faith is in Christ, power of the Holy Spirit, of all that God has said and promised and is doing the Holy Spirit residing in our hearts and our lives. This is Cross Reference Radio with our pastor and teacher, Rick Gaston. Rick is the pastor of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville. Pastor Rick is currently teaching through his series called The Believer's Basics. Please stay with us after today's message to hear more information about Cross Reference Radio specifically how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Prophecy is the title of Pastor Rick's message, and today he'll be teaching from Ezekiel chapter 26. Just as Ezekiel said, the fishermen will be working on their nets because of the ruins of Tyre, and that is exactly what took place. You can't find Babylon. Well, you can find the ruins now, but whole armies have marched over it before it was discovered. That great empire that... Nebuchadnezzar said, is this not the great Babylon that I have built? Crumbled into nothing. Daniel talks about the reigns of Alexander and the Roman Empire and other empires, and they're all gone, just as he prophesied. Those prophecies were fulfilled. The graveyards of these empires bear witness to the truth of God's word. Nobody else has got this. Jeremiah 30, verse 11, For I am with you, says Yahweh, to save you, though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you, yet I will not make a complete end of you. But I will correct you in justice, and I will not let you go altogether unpunished. That has been and is being fulfilled. I have a t-shirt I bought in Israel that has a list of all the nations who tried to get rid of Israel and are no longer empires. They're defeated, but Israel still stands. There are predictions which deal with the Jewish people themselves. I just spoke about a bit about the predictions concerning the heathen nations of Ammon and and, uh, Moab and uh, the, the Edomites, gone, just as the Bible said. You'll never meet an Edomite. You might eat somebody that eats mites, but not an Edomite. There are predictions, again, that deal with the Jewish people. Their descent from Abraham, their growth, their oppression in Egypt. 400 years, God said, happened right on schedule. Their establishment in what we know as the promised land, but first was Canaan. How about Josiah? 300 years before Josiah was born, the prophet said there would come a man named Josiah and destroy this altar, that, this pagan altar in a, in a city uh, uh, the, in Bethel. That's in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 2. Then there's Cyrus, that noble Gentile pagan leader that allowed the Jews to go back to their promised land after 70 years of captivity that was spoken of by Jeremiah. And he allowed the Jews to rebuild their temple. Isaiah, a hundred years before Cyrus was born, said by name that Cyrus would be the one to do this. 
100 years before he was born, 150 years before he actually went ahead and, and fulfilled the prophecy. As I mentioned, Israel, 70 years captivity, Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah 29 document that. Interesting that Israel is not said to become a kingdom again until Christ returns. But she is an independent state. And again, Daniel's world history in Daniel chapter 8 and chapter 11. Listen to this from Daniel 12. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, knowledge shall increase. Are we not living in this time when knowledge is increasing and has increased? Who can dispute that? See, this is the fulfillment right before our eyes. Talk about things fulfilled, I'll get to them, but uh, concerning Israel their apostasy and their exile and their repatriation, all prophesied, all fulfilled. The waves, persecution that would befall them, the woe that would flow over them as a people, and yet still their persistence and survival and ultimate revival. That's not yet happened as as a nation to Israel. It will happen. There are Old Testament predictions of Christ's first coming. Details fulfilled like none other, foretelling his virgin birth, even names what village in Bethlehem, his virtuous life, Isaiah 42, 4, just one example. Zechariah 9 tells us that he will ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. If he did not do that, someone would have stood up and said, false Messiah, but no one could do that because he fulfilled it. It happened. He had so many enemies, you can bet Someone would have pointed out some contradiction to the prophecies regarding his life if they had the chance. His death in our place, Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, just to name a couple of them. The details of Isaiah 53, that with the, with the rich at his grave, well, where did, they put his, where did they entomb him in a rich man's tomb? Man, Joseph of Arimathea. And so these prophecies, they abound, the destruction, the survival of Jerusalem. In the New Testament, those writers talk about his second coming. They talk about the church and Israel, the world, Antichrist, tribulation and Armageddon. They give us details, prophetic details about all of those. We're watching them take place. We've watched many of them already done. Jesus said, therefore, when you see... The abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. That is a prophecy that it says there will be a third Jewish temple. And not only will there be a third Jewish temple, we've only had two, and neither one exists. They've both been destroyed. A third is going to be built and then defiled by Antichrist. And Jesus says you can, you can, you'll know when you see this happening. Uh, Luke 21, verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Now, if you lived in 1840 and you read this verse, you would say, Jerusalem surrounded by army. There's no Jews there. There's nothing there. Bedouin, drifters, there's nothing in Jerusalem. You look at Jerusalem now. It is a thriving city. The best hummus on earth is in Israel. It's in Jerusalem. The oil just flows right off. Anyway, 
The bread. All right. Hope I'm getting you hungry for the word. Back to these prophecies. His return and the end of the world. Revelation 21.1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now, does anybody believe that's happened already? Because you need help. If you do, you need to give one of the pastors. The new heaven and the new earth is not here yet. It is predicted to happen when the Bible says, when Bible predictions are guarantees. Other predictions are forecasts, perhaps, educated guesses. I've used the word predict on purpose because we get so used to the word prophecy, sometimes it may lose its, uh, its, its, its impact on us. And so I want to keep us close to the understanding that God is calling something before it happens. And when he calls it, it's not a guess, it's not a forecast, it's a guarantee. That's why we love and follow him, because he is worthy, because he has placed himself on our hearts. Bible prophecy is a call to Christ and his work. The predictions, the prophecies are not given to us to satisfy some curiosity. That does some of that, but not, it's not its purpose. It's given as a resource to reinforce our own faith, that we could bear witness to the unconverted so that they convert, that we can be strong in the face of persecution like Justin Martyr was, like Peter was, like Paul was, and John, and all the martyrs, the Christian martyrs of, of history. Why would anyone blow off hundreds of fulfilled prophecies? There's over 300 prophecies fulfilled about Jesus Christ coming alone. Why not just convert? Why lock up against God? Why stiff arm God to your own destruction? I think there are many reasons, but the bottom is a lack of desire to conform to holiness. The voices of the Hebrew prophets, they looked forward, announced his coming, and sealed it with these validations that we live through. Peter said this. Here's Peter preaching to Gentiles before Gentiles really began coming into the church. They were already converting to Judaism, some of them, but they weren't coming into Christianity until Peter unlocks the door. Peter says to him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And of course, after that, the Holy Spirit came fell upon those Gentiles, and they became believers. The first prophecy that spoke of Jesus Christ is in the book of Beginnings, in the third chapter, in the book of Genesis, verse 15. When God is addressing man, Eve and Adam and Satan are there, all of the characters that played a role in the fall of man, and God is addressing each one of them. He says this to the devil, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. What that's come out to mean, well, first the woman doesn't have the seed, the man does. Well, that's the virgin birth that is being prophesied. And he goes from her seed to the personal pronoun, he shall bruise. You will crucify him, but he will cast you into the lake that that lake of fire that burns forever, he will bust your head. He will strike the fatal blow. You will not. There's so much more in that. One Old Testament prophecy. And the New Testament says, yes, there is. And so does the Old Testament and spends a good amount of time opening it up to us. The dates that drive the world are by 
B.C. and A.D. or um, Old Testament, New Testament. You could see it that way. Be you in Israel, be you in China, be you in the Muslim world. If you do anything on the global level, you're going to do it on the B.C. and A.D. calendar. Not the Caesars. You don't date. We don't date our checks by the Caesars of Rome. Alexander, if he was so great, we'd be dating the checks by him. We don't. It's by Christ. The prophecies that I mentioned that are being fulfilled. Israel, of course. Why is it that everybody hates this little piece of territory that's just not much? It's about the size of New Jersey. And yet the whole world stumbles over it. Zechariah 12, now you can take verses 1 through 3, but I'm only going to take verse 3. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. We live, we see this happen. We've been watching this happen since, since May 14, 1948. We've been watching this happen. The world getting together, trying to destroy Israel. No other nation goes through what Israel goes through. That alone should alert people to the fact that Scripture is onto something that is critical. How about the repatriation of Jews? You can read about that in Ezekiel 37, verses 21 and 22. That's not the only place, just giving you some. The bringing back of Jews from all over the world. When the Soviet Union crumbled, do you know how many Jews came into it, flooded into Israel? And they're still coming into Israel. When I was in Israel, the tour guide was from Jersey, but he was a Jew. And citizenship, just like that for him. Fulfilling prophecy. Church apostasy prophesied. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about the great falling away. Apostasy has to do with the church. Because you have, it means to once be and then not, no longer. You have you're fallen away from it. We're watching this unfold right now. How I don't recall ever so many churches given to heresy as we have today. And quite proud of it. They're like the church in Corinth that was applauding how they treated a man living in blatant and gross and grotesque sin. Paul called him out on that. He says, you people are boasting about this. You think you're being gracious. You're being sinful. You are thumbing your nose in the face of a holy God. They fixed it. You go today and try to get Christians to uphold their own scripture, uphold the word of God, uphold marriage, and you will run into a buzzsaw of criticisms. You're legalistic. You're this, you're that. Just trying to follow what the scripture clearly says. Knowledge of travel, globalization, mobilization, modernization, technology, all of these things forecasted. You could, without these events, you could not fulfill the events in the book of Revelation. Now that these events have taken place, Revelation is almost a breeze. That's no problem. To give you a couple of examples. Well, first, Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the book, seal the book until the time of the end. Many will run to and fro. There's a lot of traveling there he's talking about. It is implying global traveling. Because there's no big deal in Daniel's day about traveling on a cart. That's not prophecy. That doesn't make prophetic news. Many people will travel on carts, Daniel. The idea is many will travel to and fro. It's going to be big travel. And knowledge shall increase. 
Satellite broadcasting, for example. Revelation 11.9 tells us that the whole world will see the two faithful witnesses lying in the street dead. The whole world will see this. How could you have done that in Daniel's day? Be a long telescope and a lot of them. Cashless society with chip implants called by the Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17. No one can buy or sell without this mark. How, how, how do you do that? I mean, there's always an underground, is there not? If this were just a tattoo on someone, you could, you could sneak around it. You could still buy and sell with a tattoo. I'm re- holding all jokes about tattoo. I, if, if you're a Christian, you want a tattoo, get the press-on ones. They don't hurt. But anyway, back to this. I mean, there's a market just waiting to be tapped into. One of you entrepreneurs. Uh, Cashless society. How do you have that? Unless you can track people. Unless there's some sort of knowledge to be able to have an accounting system that is global. You can go on the internet and you can go to remote places, to remote to us like Bhutan or, or just pick a place. And almost in the jungles, these people have cell phones. This is incredible. You see them walking in the, in the jungle. Where are they getting the signal? The knowledge is here. It's not complete yet. It is still developing. By the time, it is, when the time comes, it will be ready. Weapons of mass destruction. You could not have the carnage listed in the book of Revelation without weapons of mass destruction. Zechariah 14, for example, and Zechariah is writing 2,500 years ago. And this shall be the plague which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Israel. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongue shall dissolve in their mouths. <laughs> who wants to be in that army? How, you, you could not have that before nuclear weapons. There's just no heat that could bring about such an event as described here. Matthew 24, verse 21 and 22. Well, then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. How do you kill every human being on earth with spears and swords and catapults? The time those words were uttered, that was about as big an ordinance as you can get with catapult. Now, of course, we have nukes and other nasty things, biological weapons. And the Lord says, there is coming, there's always been tribulation, but there is coming a great tribulation. And remember, our Lord, our Lord has a flair for understatement. When he says his tribulation is going to be great, I mean, he means global. You can't measure it. This stuff is so potent that the human race would be wiped out unless he came and put a stop to it because he controls the future. And he says it right there, unless those days were shortened. By whom? By him. So we're about done here. The consequences, if you're still with me, the consequences. Scoffers, of course, the scoffers doom because scoffers will come. Peter, in this second letter, by the time we get to the third chapter, he says, I know, I know, I've dealt with them too. There are those that naysayers, they don't believe it. They're going to get judged if they don't fix it. 
Chapter 3, verse 4, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So that's their argument. Ah, you know, we've been doing this. Uh, we've heard prophets before. We've had these things. We're, look, man, humanity's not going anywhere. You're wrong. You're very wrong. And it is the prophetic record Prophecies that have come to pass, the prophecies that are being formed, the prophecies that are being fulfilled, this should excite the soul to repent, to turn away from every false way to the only true way, to the only one that can say such things with any degree of validation. Someone told someone else to believe what men make up Overruling what God has revealed. That's what's happening with lost souls. That's what they're doing to Christians who are raised in Christian homes and go out into the universities and out into the world. They overrule mom and dad. They overrule the clear word of Scripture. They ignore the prophecies. They don't have the information. They're in darkness. That's why Peter says that we have the more sure word of prophecy, which you do well to heed. That's what he said. And then he said, as a light that shines in a, very, in a dark place. It's serious business. Peter, know, Peter knew it all the time. He spends a lot of time in these short little letters warning people against a very serious judgment that will befall them. And we have so many in churches that just don't take it seriously. They still think church is to be this giant band-aid for them or fluffy pillow and they don't get it. That don't understand that we are at war, and the war is over lost souls. And it's going to take a lot more than just always wanting to be comforted. High-maintenance people, they're just focused on themselves instead of the mission. And if you don't pamper them, if you don't greet them the right way, if you don't make special time for them, if you don't waste time with them, they turn against you. Church can't fight with a population like that. You've got to have people that are more secure in their faith, more aware of their spiritual surroundings and destination, have an air of not confidence, but faith. Let me repeat that. Not an air of confidence, but of faith. See, confidence can be in something. Faith is in Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, of all that God has said and promised and is doing, the Holy Spirit residing in our hearts and our lives. Don't fall for these Johnny-come-latelys who don't know what they're talking about when it comes to Jesus Christ. Let them be anathema, lying about Jesus Christ. And don't you dare refuse their lie, as Justin Martyr did, unless you're ready to suffer the persecutions. i close with this just quick story. October 16th, 1946, Hans Frank, was, who was Hitler's, one of Hitler's main lawyers, he was hung by the neck until dead on that day. But he makes quite an impressive final statement. I was going to read it, but you can read it yourselves. Certainly it's available online and in books. But essentially he said, we trusted the wrong man. We believed in him. But he was a monster, I'm paraphrasing. He ruined Germany. Have you ever seen what happened to Dresden in 1946 because of all of the Allied bombings? That body stacked up as high as two-story buildings. To burn. The devastation one man brought about. 
We have people today that are following the wrong ideology as they were in Nazi Germany, as, was, as it was with Hans Frank. They think it's right because it makes them feel powerful and safe, but it has no basis in anything but a human's ideas. In contrast to that, we have the more sure word of prophecy. We have a book that gets it right all the time. And any perception, any idea that it's not right is on you, not it. Because reason, reason dictates that its record is too sure to disregard. So I close with the verse we started with, our text out of 2 Peter chapter 119. And so we have the more sure word of prophecy, which you do well to heed, as a light that shines in a dark place. Thanks for joining us for today's teaching on Cross Reference Radio, the daily radio ministry of Pastor Rick Gaston of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville in Virginia. We hope you've been blessed by this Believer's Basic series, exploring the fundamentals of what it means to follow Christ. If you'd like to listen to more of this series or share it with someone you know, please visit crossreferenceradio.com. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, too, so you'll never miss another edition. Just visit crossreferenceradio.com and follow the links under radio. Again, that's crossreferenceradio.com. That's all for today. We hope you'll tune in next time to continue studying the Word of God right here on Cross Reference Radio.